0: please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us in this wilderness journey, and we pray that we would hear from you now, Father, that we would have ears to hear your voice, that you would give us hearts to look for your face, Father. Lord, we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 2006, I had the privilege of traveling to Jordan to participate in an archaeological dig in northwest Jordan at a site called Abila. Abila was one of the ten cities of the Tecapolis, which is a trading league during the time of Jesus. On the weekends, we were able to travel freely to other archaeological sites in Jordan. We traveled to Gerardines, where Jesus cast out the demon legion from the man in the cemetery. We traveled to Petra. Umal Jamal, Jerash, Wadi Rum, Aqaba on the Red Sea, the ruins of Philadelphia and Amman, Karak Castle, built during the Crusades, the Dead Sea, Madaba, and Mount Nebo. On the hike up Mount Nebo, I, I thought about Moses being brought to the top of this mountain to look across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. I thought how he must have felt to have gone through all he had with the Lord and the people of Israel from Egypt to Mount Sinai to Mount Nebo to come this close but not to be allowed to enter the promised land. Still, he had the knowledge that the people would and the the promise would be fulfilled and fulfilled soon, which surely brought much comfort. Here in our passage in Joshua, the people cross over the Jordan only a short time, possibly days after the death of Moses. They entered the promised land and they eat of the fruits of the land. Forty years earlier, the people of God were being rescued from Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt right after the Passover, where the firstborn sons of all those without the mark of the blood of the lamb on their house were killed. When they came to the waters of the Red Sea, he brought them through the waters, parting the sea. He would be their God, and they would be his people. In a sense, This crossing was their baptism, their anointing as his people, his chosen nation. He protected them from the wrath of their former masters as the Egyptians came out after them. The Egyptian army was swallowed up in the sea. As Moses sang afterward in Exodus 15, verse 1, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And as Miriam leads the people in singing in Exodus fifteen twenty one, sing to the Lord, he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The people were brought out of Egypt and into the wilderness to learn to be the people of God and to learn who their God is. But within days, they started to grumble. They made a golden calf, and the spies sent into the land came back in fear and not in faith. For their lack of faith, their longing to return to Egypt, their despair in the midst of the call to enter Canaan, the people wandered in the wilderness, where God provided for them with manna from heaven instead of entering the land, flowing with milk and honey. Now, 40 years later, the older generation has passed away, all but Joshua and Caleb, the two who, in faith, brought good reports about the land God was giving to them. Moses has died and Joshua has been anointed the leader. As he did at the Red Sea for their fathers, God has separated the waters of the Jordan, and the peoples have crossed through. This is their baptism. Their anointing is God's people, God's chosen nation. This time, though, instead of a song, they make a memorial of 12 stones in faith because they are now in the land that the Lord has promised them. There is an expectation that this memorial will stand and their children will ask, what does it mean? And they will answer, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is a memorial, a remembrance of the faithfulness of the Lord for both the Red Sea and the Jordan crossings, the two crossings that begin and end their time in the wilderness. Then there is a second circumcision. All those who had born in the wilderness had not been circumcised, but circumcision is the sign of the covenant between God and his people. Therefore, as we read, this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. It was not lost on the church fathers, though, that this second circumcision was done by Joshua, whose Hebrew name, rendered in Greek, is Jesus the scriptures often talk about a second circumcision, a circumcision of the heart. In Deuteronomy 10:16, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. And in Deuteronomy 36, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. In Jeremiah 4, 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Paul says to the Romans in 2, 28-29, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. In this circumcision, God is renewing the covenant and preparing his people's hearts for entering the land. This offspring of the generation who were brought out of Egypt only know wandering in the desert. They have never tasted anything but the manna from heaven. They know it was only by God's provision that their lives were sustained. They have lived by the word of the Lord for 40 years, yet the sign of the covenant has not been given to them by their parents. After they are circumcised by Joshua, the Lord says to them, Today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Now after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they will see the promise of the Lord to their fathers fulfilled. The promise that he gave to Abraham in Genesis 15:7. I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. After more than a half century, the offspring of Abraham, the great nation of Israel, freed from the bondage in Egypt by the Lord, will receive the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey. Going back again to the promises of the Lord to Abraham in Genesis 15, the Lord had described this generation in words certainly meant for them as much as for Abraham. I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. They have now sojourned in a land that is not theirs." been afflicted for 400 years, come out of it with great possessions, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and are now entering the land. And as they left Egypt after a hurried Passover meal, they now settled down for another Passover meal, their first in the land of promise. How good that meal must have been. They have entered the promised land as a great nation and their God is with them. As we read in Joshua five, eleven through twelve, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. They had returned. They had feasted. They had life again and the promise fulfilled. This is our story. We have been brought out of bondage, rescued by our Lord. Our leader is one like Moses and Joshua, but greater, King Jesus. We, too, have been baptized and anointed to be God's people, a holy nation of priests. We, too, are fed by God, but this time with the bread of heaven In the meal instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. We feast on that which gives life, namely the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. And we too look for the promised land. But this time, we will not be brought into it, but rather it will be brought to us, as it says in Revelations 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. We look to the promised land, where our God makes His dwelling with us forever, in a land flowing with life, and life abundant. We too will feast in this promised land, in the great marriage supper of the Lamb, a feast full of life, in a land where death is no more. In this Lenten season, we slow down and remember our wilderness journey. In this season, we lean into this journey and become more aware of our need for the one who went into the wilderness and faithfully withstood the temptations of the enemy. We remember that we are wandering in a land, a wilderness, where life only comes from the one who is life, namely our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We remember that we only have life if our life is in Christ. We remember the grace and mercy of our God to an undeserving people. Just like the Israelites celebrated the first Passover in Egypt with great anticipation of the journey ahead, both in trepidation and hope, we also celebrate this Easter with hope of what is to be amidst a broken and sinful world. But in this journey through Lent, we also look forward to the Easter of an unending joy. We look forward to the promise of a home and a land where life flows and sin, death, and sorrow are no more. We also look forward to joining the one who has entered the land before us, is preparing a place there for us, and is the host of the great feast of celebration of life in which we will all partake. Like this generation of Israelites, we too are wandering in the wilderness as a people living and worshiping in tents, some more temporary than others. Our present journey to find a new tent of worship is not a new journey in the wilderness, but a continuing one. We often forget our journey in the wilderness when we have been given a tent that feels more permanent, like we've had here at Cambridge. Now we wander and look for a new tent and whether short or long-term, our God is with us. It is by God's grace and mercy that we have had more permanent tents in this wilderness journey, and I pray he provides one for this local body of his church, one that would be a memorial to his faithfulness and goodness, one dedicated to bringing life to the community and city in which it dwells, one that when our children ask about our church, we tell them a testimony of richness and generosity, of our great God. The journey to this tent may be short or long, but our God is with us through this journey, walking with us, feeding us, and providing refuge for us. He will continue to feed us each Sunday as we gather around the table he has prepared. And we remember we are his people each time we gather as the baptized body anointed by the Spirit and purchased by the blood of his Son. No matter how long, I pray for us to grow in patient faith through this time, that we may stand as witnesses to our God's saving grace and meet and feast together on his goodness. So let us heed the words of the psalmist today in Psalm 34 and always give thanks to our Lord, our God, that his praise would ever be in our mouths. Let us magnify his name together, Let us seek the Lord, for he will hear us and deliver us from all our fears. Let us look to the Lord and be made glad. Let us remember that the Lord's ears are open to our prayers, and that he hears them and delivers us out of all our troubles. Let us remember that the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted, and he will save those who are crushed in spirit even though our troubles may be great, he will deliver us out of them all. He delivers the souls of the saints. So now as we prepare to feast on the manna, the true bread from heaven at this table prepared for us in the midst of the wilderness, let us take heart, take refuge in him, and come, come, taste and see the graciousness of our Lord. Amen.